Hello my loves and welcome back to another episode of Thrive with Lois. Your girl has been a busy bee over the last week. I've been in the studio three times and sat down with some pretty amazing guests. No, not even pretty amazing, some fucking amazing guests who have been so kind to share their time, their knowledge and their wisdom and I cannot wait for you to listen to the episodes. So make sure that you are following along on the pods, hit that follow button so that you don't miss out and share the episodes with somebody that you think might enjoy them. Now in this pod, I sit down with Steve Charles, who is a strength and performance coach. We talk about everything from stereotypes in fitness to steroids and also mental health. But before we get into the pod, I just would like to say a quick disclaimer. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for therapy or medical advice. So please listen at your own risk. Let's get into it. Hey, it's your bestie Lo. Welcome to Thrive with Lois, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and to thrive in all areas of your life. You're here because you want to grow inside and out. So are you ready? Let's thrive together. Today, I am joined by Steve Charles, who is a strongman, two-time national champ for American football with London Warriors and strength and performance coach. So Steve, thank you for being here. My pleasure. A man of many talents and with many... Fingers in pies, is that the word? Yeah, I think that is the word. Fingers in pies or (laughs) hands in baskets. Yeah, that was it. Um, A fellow entrepreneur like myself as well. Yeah, I don't like that word, but I guess it is true. Why don't you like it? I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's the same thing I don't like saying. You know when people ask you about the way you train people as a coach yourself, Mm. you know, and people use the word training philosophy. I don't like that either. Is it, do you think it's just like too bougie? it, It probably is that. Yeah. What, I, what I would you really... What would you prefer to be called other than an entrepreneur? Like self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. Is it too? Is it like oh, I'm an entrepreneur? Yeah. I feel. I feel. I feel. I'm more like sort of like a uh, a, <laughs> a, uh, a a Jim Dell boy is more what I like. A Jim Dell boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, you are. Diamond right, I've, done, I've done a lot of stuff, and it's always been through being self-employed. So it is technically. I don't know, it's just because sometimes I hear people say entrepreneur and it really grinds my gears the wrong way and I think that's why I don't like saying it. So you're a Jim Del Boy, a diamond geezer. That was, yeah, a, di- right. a, di- a diamond geezer. <laughs> a little bit were, a little bit were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here today. Um, I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. You know, you are a two-time national, well, former two-time national champ for yeah. American football. So yeah. let's talk a little, a little bit about that. Well, I got into it quite late, actually. Um, so I, I've always competed in sports uh, since I was quite young. Not super young. Like, when I was at primary school and that, I mean, in England, the two main sports are rugby and football. Mm. I was atrocious at football, like we were talking about just before. I'm dyspraxic. And when I was very young, my hand-eye coordination wasn't great. So my hand, my eye-foot coordination was atrocious. So I was awful at that. I've always been big, so people always tried to make me play rugby, and I think out of stubbornness I didn't do it. I was like, no, no, leave me alone. I don't want to do it. Don't tell me what to do. Right? So I didn't play a lot of sport when I was very young. When I was about 11, I got into basketball, 
and I played basketball and I was doing martial arts alongside it, like karate and taekwondo stuff mm. when I was young, all the way up until I was about 17, 18. Then, and I know it's going to sound crazy because I'm massive, but I was too short to play basketball at a high level. So I... Uh, How tall are you? I'm 6'3". But basket, I played power forward in basketball. Well, that was my position. And realistically, to be a power forward, even at like European level or in the British game at the high level, you need to be like 6'6". Six, six. That's actually mad. I don't know anybody who's 6'6". Six, six. It's ridiculous. So but where, do they, where do they find these people? I, I think it's a conspiracy. I think there's people gr grow it. There's some trick to grow people really tall and they're not telling the rest of us. They've us got mugs. like some farm just yeah, to like grow tall people. But I remember vividly. So I was playing for a team in Hay. It was based out of Hayes in, in Bromley. And uh, we were playing, we were going to play a team from Greece in a, uh, in like a friendly match mm. to get ready for a season. And I was like, oh, Greece, they're not massive in Greece. This would be great. I'll finally be against someone my height. They turned up and the shortest guy on their team was six foot seven. And I was like, I'm done with this. Shortest? The shortest guy, yeah. So what was the tallest? He's about six, eleven, seven foot. Fucking hell. Yeah. He must have hit his head a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, my best mate growing up, one of my best mates, Harry, is six foot seven, six foot eight. And I met him playing basketball. And uh, so I, I never felt very tall until I was... A bit oh. older. So did you feel like you were like four foot two? Against uh, yeah, I just felt like I'm a bit short here. <laughs> Even though I was the tallest one in my family. So how long did you do that for then? So I the, did that the from 12 till I was about 17, 18. Right. I injured myself at 18. Um, and I sort of, that was when I first got into lifting then. So because you injured yourself? Yeah. Basically what happened was I, uh, I had an injury, impact injury on my shoulder. Thought it was nothing too bad. About three months later, I actually got, I got jumped outside Tiger Tiger in Croydon. And after it happened, I realised I couldn't move my arm properly. Who jumped? Like, why did they jump you? I don't know. I used to love Tiger Tiger. Yeah, so did I, until that. That was, like, the place yeah. to go. Yeah. That was yeah. the place to go. Is it still going? No, it's got it's to not. be gone now. No. It's an absolute hole, really, wasn't it? So you got jumped? Yeah, I got jumped and in, in the furore, or whatever it's called, of it, I obviously re-injured my shoulder but what i think it actually was was the presentation of what had actually happened right um, so i went and got an mri scan and i've i had um two bank heart lesions and a labrum tear in my shoulder and the uh, consultant told me oh you can't lift weights i had already started lifting but not crazy but i enjoyed it and he was like oh you can't you won't be able to lift heavy weights again you won't be able to do impact sports so i was like massive like downward spiral mental mentally after that, because I loved playing sport. And I then went to a physio, a private physio, and she was originally from South Africa, and she dealt with a lot of rugby players. And she was, she looked at the um, MRI, and she was saying, and she was like, right, so do you want to go back to normal life, or what is it you want to do? And I was like, I, I want to play sport again. I want to, and she was like, oh, I will do that then. Probably 11 years now since it's given me jip. That's really good. So really, it really helped. And um, as I was recovering from that was when I started taking martial arts more seriously. I moved over from doing uh, karate and stuff to kickboxing. And I liked that. Then moved into MMA. Did that for a few years. Realised getting punched in the head for not much money is not really a great career move. So I gave. I stopped doing that when I was about 24. Sort of messed around with just lifting for a couple of years. 
And my mate, the guy I was talking about, the one who's tall, that I met playing basketball, was playing American football in America at the time. And he came back over here and he just literally said to me, oh, the team I play for, I, I, I used to play for over here because he just got a contract to go and play in Europe. He said, the team I play for, used to play for over here, Warriors, they, they've had a lot of their um, linemen leave. Do you want to go down with me for a, uh, for a session just to be a, a big body there to help out? So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a go. So what made you go into Strongman then? Basically, I finished playing American football. COVID happened. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to, I'll do one more year. COVID took longer than it did. Um, there was a chance that uh, our team might have been playing some games in Europe. And I thought, you know what? I'll do that one more year and I'll, it didn't happen, didn't end up happening, right? And um, I just, I was 32 at the time, and I was like, you know what, um, some of these guys are 22, they can train three times a week, they can go and go drinking the night before and turn up to practice all right. I'm, it, just, it was destroying me. It's a tough game, like, it beats you up. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that. And... Uh, uh, it's just the way I am. I literally had three months where I wasn't competing in anything, and I was like, oh, I'm bored now. I need to do something. So I signed up for a uh, a powerlifting competition, bench press only, and I signed up for the novice Kent Strongest Man. So what is it about strongman competitions that you, you love the most? Right, so it, one is that, that every one of them is different, similar to CrossFit, in that you don't have the same... It's never. It's not exactly the same events every time. And the other thing I really like about it is the culture. Like everyone's really sound in strongman. It's like you go to a comp. If you forgot your chalk, you ask another guy, "Can I use your chalk?" I've never had someone say no. There, everyone's people will cheer you on, even when you're got a chance of beating them. They want to see the good thing. It's got a very good camaraderie around it why do you think that is that in the strongman culture everyone's so willing to be supportive of one another but then you you may have for example i went to when i used to do bodybuilding and i used to go to a certain bodybuilding gym it's like everyone would just give you dirty looks and it was it was like you were in it just for yourself yeah my my theory is most people originally that would have been good at strongman before they had weight classes are people that are naturally massive right and there's memes about this all the time like biggest guy in the gym when he's lifting and it's a bear like ripping a carcass apart and then he's like when you're talking to him afterwards and it's just like that teddy bear (laughs) from um like that ted or something right because that is what a lot of really really big blokes are like is they're actually very chill people Mm. Whereas I think, and I think that that has then bred down into the rest of it, you know, like it's a lot of gentle giants that do strongman, basically. Not anyone that's got a chip on their shoulder about something. Whereas I do think that there is a little hint of that in bodybuilding culture all the, all the time. Mm. Because I don't, I have a lot, loads of times I get this, I get this all the time. Like, if someone's going to say something sort of hateful or prickish about a lift or something nine times out of ten it's someone who's into bodybuilding and i don't know why 
because it doesn't matter for them because all they care about is what they look like. Mm. And it really, it's really weird to me. Like, if you don't care about how strong you are, you care about looking good, why does it insult you if I'm stronger than you? It doesn't insult me that they've got abs. I don't care. But for some reason, someone being stronger than them really winds them up. And I do think there's, it's part of, it's, it's, got, it's got to be linked to the sports culture. I mean, uh, it is, it yeah. is a sport. I mean, I hold my hand up to this. When I was into bodybuilding, I want to say like six years ago, I would be quite judgy of CrossFitters. 100%. And I would be quite judgy of any other sport. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck is... Yeah, and what they honest, do? Like, I what are they doing? I make jokes about CrossFit, <laughs> but I actually do respect CrossFit quite, quite a lot. I didn't respect CrossFit back then. And I'll hold, my hand, I, I'll hold my hand up to it. I think it just came from a place of ignorance for me yeah, at that yeah. point because I was just so in that bodybuilding bubble of like, oh, this is, this is the way that, you know, everyone should train when in reality everyone should train how well, they want to yeah, and for their it's, sport it's, because everyone's cool. Different. It's interesting you said there that most strong men are they look hard on the exterior but they're like a teddy bear yeah, on the inside. So Have you noticed any other stereotypes within like the sports that you've done throughout the years? Um so I'll tell you the one that used to always when I played basketball, I've always been big and everyone in basketball assumes that the really lanky guys are going to be the really athletic guys, which is weird because that's not the same in other sports. And um, so like, I've, I was always able to jump very high and it used to shock a lot of people. They'd always assume the lanky skinny guys would be able to do all of that stuff. Mm. But it's odd because in other sports, that's not the case at all. Like in American football, people, like hardly anyone is long and lanky in that game. And they're some of the most, like some of the most athletic people I've ever met and trained with were guys that played at Warriors. I mean, absolute animals. It's ridiculous. Like, one of the guys I trained with, he plays in Germany now. He didn't weigh quite... He weighed about the same as I did at the time. I got heavier as we were playing, but he was about 140 kilos. The guy could absolutely wing. It was ridiculous. Like, he's as fast as people I've, you know, mucked around playing football with or see doing CrossFit stuff, mm. but he's twice the size. It was insane. And... That that stereotype of thinking that there's only one body type that can do certain things is probably the biggest one. Strongman kind of smacks that completely out of out of um, out of your head because everyone's so different. Like the easiest way to look at that is if you just got up, uh, if you just got up a lineup of the guys that compete at World's Strongest Man last year, it's like ten of the ten, the ten best guys in the world. They all are, they're all completely different. Mm. Like, you've got guys that are six foot eight. You've got guys that are under six foot. You've got guys that are 190 kilos. You've got guys that are 125 kilos. It's it's showing how much your ability is not always completely based down to exactly what your body type is. Because everyone's different. Yeah. You know, if you get someone who's a naturally lean person, they are obviously going to be there at their absolute best when they're lean. If you get someone who's not naturally lean, fighting your genetics to get yourself lean, absolutely fine if you're doing it for health, aesthetics, anything like that. If you're trying to perform, you're not going to be able to perform. Perfect example of that that everyone will understand on a big level is Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury does not look like what everyone thinks a professional athlete looks like. He's the best boxer in the world. If he tried to fight the way he's built to make himself look like Anthony Joshua, he would be shit. 
Mm. It wouldn't work for him. But this is the thing, though. Like, do you think that societal expectations may have an impact on, or may have an influence on the route that an athlete might influence the sport that an athlete goes into? Yeah, hundred percent. You think? Yeah, I definitely do. I think when you're younger, like, if you're in England, especially if you're like I told you with me, if you're an actually big guy, people try and make you play rugby. If you're naturally slender, they try and make you play football. But then when you get older, people change, things change. Some of the best people probably best equipped to play rugby at a high level might be guys that were naturally very lean when they were young. And they wouldn't have been put into rugby from a young age. Unless they had brothers that played it or dad or their mum loved it, they're not going to be pushed into a sport that they might have been brilliant at because of what you perceive you're going to be good Mm. at. You know? It's a... um, It's... It's definitely, it's definitely has an impact on what people do, I think. Because I think quite a lot, I think probably one of the things with CrossFit, because CrossFit is a very, when you look at the top CrossFitters, they're all very lean. They hold a lot of muscle. They're relatively short, especially the blokes. And I think there's probably quite a lot of people who are, would be very good at the sport who don't go towards it because they don't feel they look like the people that do it. Mm. because some people are insanely athletic but just do not have the genetics to be blown up uh, lean all over but their athletic ability is at that kind of level they can get strong, they can get fast they can do things very well they just don't look exactly like that and again, perfect. Uh, a good way to look at it is fighters fighters have all different body shapes but this is a thing, you know your size and the way that you look is not going to it, it's not going to mean that you're going to be like more athletic than the, the next person people look at the things people look at to try and figure out if someone's athletic in a body is completely wrong they look at things like body fat percentage yeah muscle, muscle how, muscle. How, how their muscle insertions look is the one they look at mm. which is from bodybuilding the things they don't ever look at is how long are their arms how long is their torso? How long are their legs, femurs? Yeah. How long are their forearms? Those things will tell you way more. You can have two people that body fat-wise and like shoulder width-wise look completely different. If they've both got short torsos, long arms, they're both going to be relatively good at deadlifting. Mm. That's what's going to happen. But people don't look at that stuff. They look at, they look at sport through a bodybuilding lens, which is quite odd because it doesn't actually tell you anything. It, it, it tells you how good someone looks to a certain standard. But it doesn't tell you. It doesn't give you any insight into how their athletic ability is is going to be. Mm. I mean, one of the things that is 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 quite known with athletic ability in, in power in jumping is having a a high calf, so like a very long Achilles tendon that goes up into a high calf is normally it normally implies that someone's relatively good at jumping. That's not something you'd want in bodybuilding. You wouldn't want a little pea calf at the top. You'd want big cars with a low insertion. That's awful for athletics. But in people's mind, when they go to the gym, that's why you get so many people that go, oh, my arms are so good. I just, I'm never, I'm never going to have any calves. They're probably, they'd probably be super athletic if they did yeah. certain sports, but it's just, it's just not in their genetics to do it. It, mm. it is what it is. I have really low bicep insertions. If I tried to do bodybuilding, I could get as lean as I want. My biceps would look awful because they're long as hell. I'd have to get them so big to even look like I've got any. But when it comes to strength stuff, that's really good because mm. my tendons aren't super long and um, 
susceptible to injury as much. There's more mass in the muscle, easier to mm. cover it, if you see what I mean. What are your thoughts on performance-enhancing drugs? Have you ever taken them yourself? No, I haven't. I've always been in sports that have been tested until this. Strongman's the, the first sport I've done that isn't tested. So when I did MMA, we were tested. American football over here, BAFA is the, the league that we played in, which is the top league in Britain, um, is a tested league. And um, then the powerlifting I've done is IPF, which is drug tested as well. So I've never taken them. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not fundamentally against them. There's certain aspects of it that I'm against. I'm very against people portraying themselves a certain way as if they're not using drugs when they are, especially if it's to sell something or if it's appealing to young kids because mm. I think it's just completely ridiculous. Do you know what I saw on Instagram the other day? This guy posted a video, it came up on my For You page and it was like, hi guys, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm not natural, just wanted to, to let you know to be transparent with you. And I've never seen somebody be open about the fact that they were taking PEDs. Yeah, and, I'm, I, and I agree with that. Especially in the UK, because in the UK it is illegal to sell certain PEDs, but it's not illegal to use them. Right. So you're not going to get in trouble for using them, right? So if you're an influencer selling programmes to someone and you got there from taking drugs... And people act like it doesn't make a difference. It makes a fucking difference, right? Like, I've trained with a lot of people who were natural and then went on, mm. and the difference they make is absolutely drastic. Um, it's, not a, it's not a magic cure-all for every... You've still got to train well and do stuff, but you take your average person in the gym, doesn't do anything, and average person in the gym who uses PEDs, the difference is drastic. Um, but, yeah, that's what you want transparency is the most important thing because then yeah. everyone knows the stuff and I don't think people that really care and know a lot about sport or training are yeah. going to judge you more for saying it is what it is because I think it's really damaging for people who maybe are starting their fitness journey and they yeah. see all these people that you know are really really incredible athletes or they're really fucking muscly and they're comparing themselves to them yeah, or they can only get to a certain point naturally and then they're like well why can't why am i not achieving this like so and so and if those athletes aren't being transparent with the fact that they are taking obviously peds then it's it can be quite damaging to yeah, the individuals is. that are comparing themselves. And realistically, anyone who knows a lot about training knows a lot about the human body. We can tell the people that are using them. It's it's really obvious. Do you think most of the CrossFit Games athletes are on them? Well, I don't know what I don't know what the rules are and what libel is. My opinion is yes. You think? <laughs> I think that pretty much every per every top level athlete in most sports is using some kind of performance enhancing drug. Might not be steroids, it could be EPO, it could be SARMs, it could be whatever. I do think that is the case. Mm. I've had a lot of clients, right, because I do strength and conditioning. I'm not gonna, I won't tell any names or give anything away, but I'll start training them. I'll get two, three months in, and it always happens the same way. They'll then suddenly go to me, they'll be like, oh, um, how, how's training someone different if they're, you know, on this? And they'll say a drug. And I'm like, oh, it changes a little bit. Why is that? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I take. And I'm like, right, okay, we'll do this then. 
Right, okay. And they t- take a while to tell you because in their sport they're not allowed to or whatever. But it, it, it is... It's, I think it's a lot more widespread than people think it is. I think it's quite widespread in the general population as well. Like, it's it, it, it's a lot of people use them in, in the gym culture, I think. I want to compete in the natural, the drug-tested strongman, uh, federa- a, a natural strongman federation next year. If that goes well, after that, I'm most likely going to trade in my natty card, go at it for two, three years, see what I get, and then hang up my competitive mm. <laughs> my competitive hat and sort of get into normal, just training for normal life stuff before I'm 40. That, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm not against using them, especially if you're allowed to use them. I'm just, just the transparency and just Yeah, and being... I'm against people lying about it. It's, yeah. Because it's, it's damaging to people. It's the same way I find it insanely damaging that certain certain famous celebrity families lie about the fact that they've had surgery. It makes loads of young girls think that you can look that different from yourself, naturally. You can't. It's a lie. The same way you see lots of famous people who are evidently using performance-enhancing drugs say they don't, and then they give you, it's hard work, it's genetics, it's this, it's that. Yeah, it is all of those things, but it's also the fucking three and a half grams of gear you're shoving in your ass every week. Like, it's, it's, and it's really damaging to young kids, girls and boys, mm. because they don't know what is, nat- what is naturally possible, and they get, the mental health aspect of that is either you start training, you train your ass off for ages, and you don't get where you want to be, and that messes with your head, or the other side of it is, you start training, don't see a lot of progress quickly, and then you end up taking drugs. Yeah, but feeling guilty about it because you don't think your um, your heroes take them. It's yeah. a it's it, it's a dub, it's a it's it's a fine line. It really really is, and I think um, I don't think it's talked about enough. Are there any other mental health issues that you think are quite prevalent within the fitness community? Yeah, I think definitely definitely body image is a, is a big one, and I think the I think that kind of diminishes a bit when you when you go into a sport and you're concentrating on your performance more because you see your body as what it's what you're trying to make it built for doing mm. not what you think society thinks it should be i noticed that 100 percent moving from bodybuilding over to crossfit i was very focused on aesthetics and becoming lean and i was very obsessed with the way that i looked and i had to it was constantly about chasing a number on the scale and getting lean and then moving over to crossfit it was focusing on what my body could do and how i felt in myself and the performance aspect side of things because you then focus on okay well my body can do these fucking awesome things rather than this is what it looks like and you tailor it to that so at the moment i'm i'm not going to say dropping weight actually i'm dropping fat a little bit for strongman, because I don't need to be as... I, I didn't realise this when I started. I don't need to be as big as I was when I played American football. And for performance-wise, it will help me out if I can be slightly lighter but maintain the level of strength I've got now. Mm. The only way really to do that is drop body fat. If I drop any muscle, I'm going to be weaker. So dropping a slight amount of body fat will keep me relatively the same strength, but you know maybe I'm 10 kilos lighter. Mm. means I can move that a little bit quicker, I've got a little bit more agility, that kind of stuff, right? 
and it's 100% true. And you, you go from worrying about the aesthetics so much to thinking about what you can do. One of my favourite quotes, it was Ronda Rousey when she was UFC champion. She used to get loads of hate from people, a lot of women as well online, saying she looked like a man. Like she had like, she was manly. And I remember she was in an interview once and she said, just because my body's built for something other than fucking millionaires on a yacht doesn't mean I'm not a woman, I'm not feminine. And it's 100% true. Like she was a, what she was was a professional fighter and her body was honed for being a professional fighter. And that is, that is what it is. But don't you think it's fucked that like people are sat there making comments about other people's bodies? Yeah, all the time. And they do it all the time. People do it all the time. It's like the first thing they go to, like that's really going to... It's like, oh yeah, just because it's not what I want to say, like, I'm putting in quotes here, like societal expectations yeah. of a woman's body. Yeah, yeah, It's like, oh, you look like a man. Yeah, that, that's the one that women will get if they lift. The one I always get is if I say anything about lifting and someone doesn't like it, they always say like, oh yeah, well you weigh like 200 kilos, that's why you can do this. And I'm like, well, I know, it's not going to inside, I know that. I've actively made myself big. That is what <laughs> is part of my sport. It doesn't change my knowledge of what mm. I know, you know. And again, it's normally people that are really into bodybuilding because their whole thing is the aesthetic of it. But the aesthetic of it doesn't matter in a sport. No. You know? Yeah. No, one, no, no one's worried about Messi's six-pack. It, do, it doesn't doesn't matter. It, it, or whether he's got great biceps or, or honestly, whether he can bench press 150 kilos because his sport is his sport. Mm. If you're doing something for a performance reason, the other stuff is secondary. As long as you're relatively healthy... You know, obviously, when you get into the extremes of sport, it's not actually the mm. healthiest thing in, in in the world. Doing sport and working out is very healthy in the median, right? <laughs> when you go to the extremes, it's not like marathon runners aren't the most healthy people in the world. Massive powerlifters aren't the most healthy people in the world. But it's the the middle line of doing sport and stuff is is good. But that's that's um. That's whether you want to do it, you know. You push yourself to the extremes a bit more because you want to. You know it's not the best thing for you to do, but mm. it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable. What are your thoughts on the no excuses and no days off mentality? I think that links with, with PEDs because I think that style of training, that style of doing things is only really possible when you use them because if you're, if you're a natural athlete, doesn't matter what sport you're in, right, you cannot train like an animal every day of the week, all the time, on a little amount of sleep and perform your best. You'll just crash. Mm. You'll get injured. Your hormones will be messed up. Of course, it's easy. It doesn't matter. If, if, you're, if, you're, a, if you're a bloke and you're killing yourself every day in the gym, one of the things that will happen is after a while, when you start really overreaching, your testosterone level will drop. You'll have an impact on that. Your sleep will be shit. You won't be able to get it up anymore, all that kind of stuff. You don't have that issue if you're taking exogenous testosterone because you've got it replaced. So you can train like that. I don't think you can do it when you're when you're a normal, your average human being. And I think it's quite a damaging idea. This whole idea as well, people love to talk about like, oh, get up at four in the morning to train, all that kind of stuff. Why? Why can't you just train at 6pm? Why be a normal person? What? Like People have jobs. You know what I mean? I agree, but then I but then I also think if that works with their schedule and if that's what they want no, to do. No, no, that, that's different, isn't it? But it's when that, you... It's when you, you, you fit, but, you're training yeah. when you fit it in. Yeah, but it's when... What I don't like is when 
you see people posting on their videos on like Instagram and TikTok and they're like, if you're not getting up at 4 a.m. 4 and doing your training session, what are you doing? Yeah, that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, and it's like, Hannah, she quite like and sleeping in a, a little bloke, bit. It's always a bloke who's about 47 years old, looks like Mickey Rourke, has had like severe plastic surgery, red, red as a beetroot because they're cranked off their nut on testosterone. And you're just like, mate, shut up and leave me alone. Let me do my own shit. Yeah. And don't tell kids to, like, not sleep. And the worst thing you can do when you're an athlete is not sleep. It's, like, literally will ruin you. Yeah, 100%. Sleep, managing stress, yeah. managing your nutrition. Yeah, all of that stuff. And that's so much more important. And no one really talks about that because it's not sexy, is it? No. Like, you wouldn't sell magazines. If you just went, it would be one issue. It would be train progressively... <laughs> train progressively do the basic movements it's quite boring do it for ages sleep well try and get your good nutrition in that's the end move on it would never sell another issue of the magazine it's done I would when I would try and explain that to people when I worked at Pure Gym so they'd come to me and they'd they'd grab their stomach and they'd go how, how can I get rid of yeah. this how can I get rid of this and I'd try and explain you know calorie deficit Sleep, stress, training, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all, all of that. And they'd look at me and they go, so, so what exercise is good yep. for this? Yeah. And, you know, it's about trying to educate people. And, you know, if you don't know, then of course you're not going to, you're not going to know. You're, if you don't ask these questions, then you're, you're not going to know. Oh, yeah, we don't learn this in normal You know, way. exactly. But it was just how... I would explain it, but then they still didn't want to hear it because it was like, well, what's the magic? What's the magic um, solution here? Yeah. It was like, well, I just want a quick fix. I just want a certain exercise that's going to click of a finger, get rid of my my belly fat. Yeah, so that's what the industry's like, isn't it? Yeah, it used to be in magazines on the front of magazines, you'd have five minute abs. Do this for Beach Body. Blah 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 blah. Now it's TikTok. You'll have a TikTok that comes up because a TikTok that says, "Get big arms." is going to get way more views than one that says, you know, train really hard for eight months and track your performance and do all this kind of stuff. People don't want to hear it. No, they want quick fixes. They don't want They don't want to hear that they've actually got to do the work and they've actually got to be consistent and put in the, put in the effort. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long slog, whatever mm. you want to do, whatever you want to change, whether it's a performance-based, health-based, everything. Everything's a long, a long slog to get, mm. to get to a place you want to get to. Nothing comes quick and easy it's difficult like I, like I said I'm cutting weight a bit for for um, a strong man but it's no I've gone down probably eight nine kilos in the past six seven months but that's the way I've got to do it at to not get a lot weaker while I'm doing it mm. you know it works for me doing it that way some people might be able to do it quicker but it's not it's not a one size fits all for this kind of stuff everyone's different and you've got to see what works for you but the main things are the same Try and get your nutrition in a good order. Get your rest in. Train progressively and push hard. But don't, you know, try and kill yourself every time you're in the gym. And if you did, if people did that for six months, the change they'd see is incredible. And they, when they do, they do. I mean, it's what you do with your clients. It's what mm. I do with my clients. We get them to do that. And after a while, they're like, oh, wow, look at this change. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, that's, what, it, that's mm. what happens. What advice would you give to somebody who's in the fitness industry and is maybe struggling with their mental health at the moment? Uh, it's, it's difficult because 
everyone has their different issues when it comes to mental health. For, for me, I am my best when I'm training for a reason and I'm getting training in quite a lot. So whether it's a sport, whether it's a competition, whether it's an aesthetic goal, anything, um, that that is what helps me focus my mind and push through. And the other side of it is, if you're having problems with your mental health, one, get help. Two, look at all of the aspects of what things might be causing, the, what, what, what might, be, might be exacerbating the problems. Is it that you're pushing yourself if, it, if it's linked to the what you're doing in fitness, is it that you're pushing yourself at something you don't really want to do, you don't really like? You know, are you trying to get this aesthetic goal that you don't enjoy training for, and that's just become an obsession that you want? And every every month that you don't get closer to it, it pushes you further down the hole, right? Or is it that you know, is your sleep not great? Are you eating stuff you hate? Are you you know? eating rice cakes and fish every day because you think that's going to get you in better shape and it's causing you more stress than you need to do. I think sometimes looking at everything in a bit more of a holistic way is a good way is a good way to do it. And also if something's if you're not enjoying something and something's actually causing you more stress than it is joy, why are you doing it? Mm. Like if it got to the point where competing in a sport was causing me more detriment than it was positives, I'd be stopping now. I mean, I'm not I'm not twenty, I'm not gonna be you know and I'm not gonna go and be a pro American football player and playing the NFL. So when it started, when my legs were feeling beat up, when I was, you know, waking up for training, like, oh God, I'm knackered. I thought, you know, it's probably time to move on before you lose the love for what you're doing. You know, start start resenting it a little bit, which is what happens to people with a lot of sports. Mm. And you can hear it a little bit when you're talking about it. It's probably what happened with you with bodybuilding style stuff a little bit. Now there's a bit of resentment there because you were doing something. You, there's no love for it there. Oh no, not at all. I used to turn up for my sessions and I used to hate it. And, then and I was like, and, and then I used to end up not completing my training program. I used to be very Upset. all over the place and I used to come away from the gym just feeling very disheartened. And I could, for so long, I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just try and change things up a little bit. And then that's when I obviously changed the complete route of my training and went to CrossFit and it reignited that fire again. So I think, like you said, looking at those external factors and yeah. maybe looking to change your environment as well because your environment obviously can have a huge impact. Oh, such a big impact. Like the difference in places you train or people you're, you're with when you're doing stuff can make such a mm. big difference in how you feel within your um, within your given sport or whatever your um, goal is that you're doing whatever uh, situation it is. I mean, if you're if you're around a bunch of people that are always really negative about everything you're doing, you're going to be negative about everything you're doing. It's just... Yeah, it will rub up on you, yeah, won't you, it? You That's take it. it in, don't you? It, it, it is what it you is. You take in that energy. Oh, hugely, hugely, I think. Yeah, definitely. If you've got people there that are like, right, you know, even if it doesn't go great, so it doesn't go great, they're sort of more on the, all right, we'll kick it in the arse next time, that kind of stuff, pushes you forward, positive reinforcement... That's what I do with my clients. I'm not like a drill sergeant, sergeant type coach at all. I'll tell them why we're doing something. If they hate it, I'll change it. Why force someone to do something they hate? Mm. It's it's pointless. You never try as hard as you can with something you don't like. That's what I seem to find. It's just human nature. You'll find a way to not to not finish it. If you see what I mean. Like you were saying, yeah. you wouldn't finish. Sometimes you wouldn't finish finish the sessions, and you'd be like, then you're upset about it. Yeah. But it's it's you're 
your subconscious is telling you something in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think to anybody who's listening, who's maybe feeling like they're in a bit of a rut with their training or they're not enjoying it as much as they once was, you can change your sport if you want to. You can change it up. Sometimes it might just be even, like you said, changing your environment. Mm. Like you might be in the same sport. Like someone, someone who's doing CrossFit might actually love CrossFit, but where they're training is not great for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Go somewhere else. Oh, game changer. Now you feel incredible again. You've got people around you that are on the same vibe as you. That 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 makes a difference. Be with any sport. Um, I think those things are, are things to look at. Mm. Um, look at it holistically and think what is actually part of the things that are impacting the way I'm feeling. Because um, there can be a lot of stuff that makes a difference. To it, I think. Mm. I've noticed it. I've been in loads of different gyms. Some of the gyms I didn't really like going to that much. I used to go later on, so I wouldn't see as many people because they got on my nerves. Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I went to the gym last night and I went a lot later than I would do normally and it was absolutely packed and I didn't really enjoy the session because it was just there was too much going on also with my ADHD brain as well like I can get it if there's so much going on around me I can sometimes feel a bit like overwhelmed or overstimulated or I just can't like get into the zone enough so your environment is going to have is going to play a massive part of that yeah when you if you know yourself and how you are you can work around these things mm. like i i really like having the routine i'm going to do in my gym session and if that gets massively mixed up it annoys me yeah so if i'm going while well, i'm doing squats then i'm doing overhead press and then i'm doing this and if i'm at a public gym and i can't do my squats first that will then annoy me and it messes up the rest of my session i'll get it done but it bothers me so yeah. if i'm doing something like that that i know i want to be really regimented with i'll make sure i go when there's no one around if i go in and i can't do squats first and I'm doing my overheads and I dip my overheads and it goes alright then I squat and my squats don't go how I think they do I'll be pissed off because I'll be like that's because I couldn't do that earlier and then I blame it on that and then I will be down on that session if you see what I mean because it gives you a reason to yeah. be annoyed and once, you're, once your mind's gone with something you're, it, it's not a you're never going to be happy with mm. with what's going on so um, sometimes knowing knowing how you are and trying to tailor your training around that is a good a good thing to do, I think. Yeah. I never used to train on my own when I was younger. I always used to go with someone, but now I train on my own 90% of the time and I quite enjoy it mm. now. I used to not be able to get... I used to, th- I used to tell myself I couldn't get as motivated on my own, but once you actually did it, and I had to do it through lockdown, um, it, I realised I could, and I think, I think that's, that was a big, a big turning, turning point for me because I always used to go to the gym with a bunch of mates, and that is fun. But if you're training for something specific and your other mates aren't, it actually probably is not going to help you that much in the long run. Mm, yeah. You know? Well, thank you so much, Steve, for coming on the podcast today yeah, and sharing your wisdom. Where can everyone find you on social media? Um, I'm on Instagram as London Strength Coach. My TikTok, I think, is LDN Strength. Well, thank you so much, Steve. And to everyone listening, we'll speak to you in the next one. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been really good.